Luke chapter 15, a New Testament book written by a doctor, very technical in the terms he used to help us understand something very important. Notice what it says in Luke 15, verse 24. This is the father speaking of his son. Luke 15, verse 24. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. And so the party began. Notice the description. This son of mine was dead. What does it mean to be dead in sin? What does it mean to come alive by the grace of God? What is the power that takes a person from where this son was? He was his heart was beating, but he had no life. To a place of purpose and momentum for the future. What's the power that takes a person broken and gives them the potential of wholeness? What's the power that takes a person who's lost their identity and restores them to the full assurance that they are a son of God, a daughter of God? What does it mean to come alive? Let's pray about that. Lord, speak to us today. It's been great. Every song we've started with that we are a friend of God, speaking about who we are in you. We've exalted you and been reminded of your compassion toward us, your activity toward us, your heart that says you will never leave us, you will never forsake us. May this change us. Many people are going to come alive as a result of your work today, and we just praise you in advance for that. Thank you for this portion of scripture, and may it be something so relevant to every one of us until we are transformed by it. In Jesus' name, amen. A few months ago when I'd come before you to bring the message, I I started it with a prayer request. And that prayer request was this. As I had gotten up that morning, went to my vehicle to come here, my vehicle had been broken into, and my backpack had been stolen. And they had stolen my iPad and my, my computer And so I'd lost my sermon notes. And at that point, you were very concerned about how long the sermon may be because I'd lost my notes. And there was, you know, no way to know where it ended. It was fine with me, but I could see the concern on your face. And so uh, you, you felt sorry for me and you were praying. But then I told you that my family, we were in the process of trying to move. We had been renting since we lived here and we had found a home and we were in the process of getting a loan in place. And so, because of that, in that backpack were tax returns, bank statements, any and everything that would have given someone all the information they needed to have my identity, social security numbers, bank numbers, etc. I was dealing with the fact that, I, that the backpack had been stolen and I knew I, you know, I had to go on to church. I'd deal with it later. I got in the car. I started the car. And as soon as I started out of my neighborhood, because my radio was on, the commercial that came on was the LifeLock commercial. <laughs> you know it's what I'm talking about that, like, secures your identity? Well, let me quote it for you because I'll never forget it. As the guy said, every minute in America, someone has their identity stolen. And as a result... They ruin their credit 
and it destroys their potential. You should consider LifeLock. Well, I turned the radio off and kept coming toward church, and I was burdened by this because it was gone. And as I reflected on that, coming back through this text, trying to communicate what it means to be dead in sin and coming alive in Christ, a light came on for me in this passage and in the story of this prodigal son. You see, he asked for his inheritance early. It was humiliating what he did to his dad. It was very offensive, the most offensive, hurtful thing you could do in that culture. The whole village knew what he had done. And his dad liquidated assets and gave him his share of the inheritance. And he went about as far from the father as he could go. And he spent that money in wild living. And in a spiral of sin, he ends up at the bottom. And we know by the conversation he has with himself that he's lost his identity. His identity had been stolen by sin. And as a result, he had no credibility and his potential was ruined. He had no hope for the future because when he talks to himself about going home, he rehearses a speech that he would give to his dad and his, his highest hope for the future was to be just an employee, not to be restored in his identity as a son. We see that in that story, we get another idea of what it means to be dead in sin. What does it really mean? I mean, your heart is beating, but yet to be apart from Christ is to be dead in sin. What does that mean? It means you've lost who you are. You've lost your purpose. You've lost the sense of potential. Your dream has been dashed, and you don't feel you can be restored in that identity. See, the young man knew that if he was willing to return home, that a ceremony would be invoked to indicate just how broken he was and how hopeless he was. In Hebrew, it's called the kezazah, a Hebrew word that means cut off, and as sure as that young man would return home, the villagers would gather, and the spokesperson for the village would take a clay pot, throw it down, break it into many pieces, picking up just one of the many pieces and pointing it at the young man and say, you have gone too far, you have done too much, you have broken community, you've broken the heart of your father, and restoration is impossible. You are cut off. And may this piece serve as a symbol of your broken life. He knew that would happen. Yet he's so desperate, he's willing to even encounter that kind of action toward him. Many times the villagers would be so angry they would hurt the son or even kill him. These were the action steps he is expecting as he returns home. But the Bible says that very different actions were taken because at this part of the story, as he's returning home, while he's still a great way off, it says that the father saw it and ran to him. And we see not only Luke 15 as the story of the prodigal son, but the story of the running father. A father who was the patriarch of the family, but yet he was not too dignified or closed in his heart toward his boy that he wouldn't run toward him. Saying so much to us about the heart of God toward us that no matter how far you've gone, God still loves you. 
No matter what you've done, God still loves you. There is something so powerful about the unfailing love of God. We make mistakes. We sin. We break fellowship. But God in his love never fails. And so this father runs to this son. He embraces him. And then I want you to see what happens in verse 22. Let's go to it on the screen, please. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. He's expecting these actions to document that he could not be returned to that of a son. He was cut off. Instead, the father takes action and goes through a set of requests each one that would remind the son that he's no longer an outcast and he's not cut off, but he's going to be fully restored as a son. He said, go get a robe. I mean, this young man is filthy because of the life he's been living in, the place he's been. But he's going to be robed in that of the father's garment. You know the message here of the gospel that we can't earn our way into grace. We can't earn our our way into a place of being clean before God. There's nothing about us. On our best day, our righteousness is as filthy rags. And so the picture we're getting here is that of our God who says if we just open our heart to him, he comes to us and he will robe us in the righteousness of his character and his nature. We'll be robed in the righteousness of of God. You see, it's nothing we can earn, nothing we can do to deserve it. It's just the gift of God. You're given a right standing. And that robe said to the son and to everyone seeing the son, this boy of mine who is dead is alive again. He's back in right standing. The son never thought that could happen. He said, now get a ring. In that culture, the ring meant a little different than what it does now. Even in our culture, a ring means something. This ring says to you, it's an outer sign of an inner covenant that I have established before God with Kelly. It's the covenant of marriage. And this ring is a symbol of that. In that day, only hired servant, uh, matter of fact, only, only family members had shoes. Hired servants had no shoes. So when he says, get shoes and get a ring... He is once again establishing that this son of his was going to be restored in his identity. Notice, he's restored in his identity as he puts the robe around him. And then when he gives him the ring, he is restoring him to use the name of the family, credibility. And then he says, bring him some new shoes, potential. So everything that he lost because of sin that he felt could never be restored, is restored by the first set of actions of the Father. Why don't we put our hands together because that's an awesome message of the, of the grace of God to us. So, so what's, what's the point that we're after? To be dead in sin means to lose your identity. It means to have your personality perverted and twisted by sin because the enemy, the thief, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It means to have your purpose dashed on the rocks of despair. To be in sin, to be dead in sin, is to be hopeless of having any restored identity and purpose for life. 
So what does it mean to come alive? It means to experience grace to where what you have lost has been returned. Identity, credibility, and potential. And the power to go from death to life, the power to go from that place of despair to a place of identity in God, credibility with God and community, and potential for a future destiny is the power of the Father's love and the actions of the Father. Not what we do, but what He's done. Not who we are, but who He is. This Son would now be in the robe of the Father, wear the ring, the family crest, and be be wearing the shoes that were provided by the Father, the actions of the Father to restore the, the prodigal as a son. It's just amazing. When you think of this influence, you see righteousness in the robe. You see authority in the ring. Now he will move through the community and he will act in the name of the family, in the name of the Father. When you get saved, the credibility is the fact that you move forward in the power of the name of the Father. Now you just think of the many ways that God has revealed himself to us. The names of God throughout scripture. God Almighty. God as a refuge. God as a strong tower. God as a rock. God as a leader. God as a helper. God as one who heals. As one who gives peace. All these things that have been put into the songs that we have sung today. Reveal to us who he is. And the son is being restored to the authority of the name. Of the Father. Incredible. The shoes would say to the Son, You're not on probation and you're not a servant. You're a son. And you're free to to move into the purpose that God has for you. The number one best selling book next to the Bible in history, Christian book, is the book Purpose Driven Life. Written by Rick Warren, a pastor who's in California. And the first question of the book is this. Why am I here? It's a question seeking information on identity. It is saying that we all believe that we've been given personality and a sense of purpose. But sin comes along and mars, perverts, frays and fragments our personality. And it thwarts the purpose And we live with this sense of despair and regret. Despair that we can't be restored in that identity, credibility, and potential. Regret of what could have been. And so a spirit of defeat literally prevails in the communities and cities of the nation and the world. And into that spirit of defeat and regret, shame, guilt, and remorse comes the message of the Father's love to all the sons and daughters who are dead, just existing, dreaming of a life that will never come, hoping for a day that will never come, that has passed them by, that they've sinned away their day of potential. They send away their day of opportunity, their assignment and purpose of life. Into that despair comes The power of the Father's love. And dead sons and daughters are returned to life. By the grace of God. 
that restores identity, restores credibility, and restores potential. I don't care who you are or what you have done on the basis of truth. God loves you. God runs to you. God wants to forgive you and restore you. Born Identity. It's a great movie, and there's a series of them, and the main character, Jason, the whole thing is is this young man hunting down his identity, figuring out who he really is so that he can have a future. If you figure out who you really are, you're then released to the future for which you were created. I had a good number of pastors in this room on a Monday back in August, and we were doing a day of training on preaching and leadership. And a pastor's wife came to me in between the sessions and said, can I I talk to you for a minute? And she said, pray for my husband, pastor of a church. He says he gets up on a Sunday morning and he hashes out sermons. He says, but it doesn't come from the heart because he's just a shell of a man that he wants to be. You see, he's lost the identity that he once had in God as as a great man of God, as a husband and a father, as a pastor. There are things that have happened to him that have just twisted and marred his personality. He's, He's not the man I married. He's not the pastor he used to be. He's not the dad he used to be. And and we talk honestly about this, and he says to me, and I can never get it back. She says to me, is there hope for him? I spoke at a university not long ago in a chapel service. A bunch of students between about the ages of 18 and and 24. And a student came up to me after that service. He said, I'm so messed up. I said, what do you mean? He said, I'm messed up in my thinking. I got this idea of who I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to do but I'm not that person, and as a result, I can never be what I feel like I was created to be and went into some situations that were just horrible things that he has done and things that have happened to him. And and the the whole thing that the pastor's wife was saying to me and the whole thing the young man was saying to me is stolen identity. I've lost my identity. Credibility. And since no potential. There is a great picture of what it is to just be dead in sin. And into that context comes a father who comes to you, runs to you. And instead of a set of actions that document you're broken and you've lost your identity and it can't be returned, the actions that are taken call for a robe, a ring, and shoes that document that you are restored to the full rights of a son and a daughter. You're restored in your identity credibility and potential.
So I stood here that Sunday morning a few months ago, having lost my identity. Rehearsing what all could happen, playing out scenarios. For you see, what that thief had was enough to bring incredible damage to my life. Kelly and I, we had prayed and, and been looking for a home and felt like God had led us to a place, the whole set of circumstances that, that led to us finding it, just amazing. And now if this thief took advantage of that information, it could shut down what I felt was the direction for my family and the future home for my family. It could have shut it down. Had service that morning, and we came back that night, just like we'll do tonight, the first Sunday of the month, and we'll have church. And after service that night, went back to this little study I have, was getting ready to leave, and I noticed on my phone that I had a voicemail. I went to the voicemail, and this voice on the other side said, uh, We know you don't know us, but behind our yard is a pond, and we found this backpack in the pond this morning. And inside of it are all of these documents that have your name on them. And we found your number. Would you please call us? I called that number. Like right then. And they gave me their address. They lived three miles from where I had lived. And so this Steve had gotten the backpack and went from there through that neighborhood and just took the iPad and the computer, not knowing that the documents were there, and threw the backpack away. They found it. They get, and so, so, so by the end of the day, my identity had been restored. Now, it happened on a Sunday. Many people were praying, seriously. Like they, they, they caught a burden for me. The sermon wasn't so long that they got upset with me. So they like prayed, okay, God, the sermon wasn't so long. So now we pray, God, give him his backpack, you know, return it. And so people were praying because I had mentioned the documents that were in there. And on that Sunday, and I want to tell you, I just, that morning I felt death. It just felt so horrible. But by the end of the day, I felt life. Because when you get, re- you get your identity restored and your credibility and your potential become alive. So here we are on a Sunday. And people are praying because many of you have lost your identity. And today you're going to get it back. Today it gets restored. I had a thousand thoughts on that Sunday that I'll never see that information again. I'll never get it back. And it will be used to hurt the future. But there is a God greater than our own thoughts. Your thoughts say you've you've done too much, you've gone too far. Too much has been broken. Your personality promises have been been shattered. But no, I want to tell you there is a power greater than the power of of despairing thoughts 
And it's the power of the Father's love that will restore your identity as a son and as a daughter of God. And you came into this place and you're just going through the motions. It was hard for me on that Sunday. You've come and it's hard today because you're playing out the scenario of having lost your identity, credibility, and potential. And you know that it'll keep you from going from where you are to where you really want to be. It'll affect you and it will affect your family. You know that and you're playing that out. But I want to tell you, there is a power greater than even the scenarios that you have worked out. Maybe you've rehearsed some kind of speech like the prodigal did. I'll never be a son again, but if I could just be an employee. You you, you don't even have hope for restoration. But into that kind of thinking comes the very power of the love of God. Helps you to know in the deepest part of who you are. You can be restored. It's interesting these maternity cases where they don't know who the dad is. Especially the famous ones. We read about them when we're going through the grocery store line. On those magazines that none of us look at. (laughs) And they want the dad or the one who they think is the dad to come and do a blood test. Because they want to check DNA. Figure out who the father is. You've got to remember who you are today. I know sin has messed us up. Affected emotions, personality, thinking, and purpose. But we've got to do a blood test today. We've got to ask the father to come and do a blood test to see just whose DNA we really have. And you can go back from Genesis and track it all the way through the New Testament and you will see that there is a God who is Father who so loved you that He gave His Son and His Son who also is God shed His blood and test the blood. Because in that blood is the DNA of every man and woman, boy and girl in this room. And because He is your Father and because He is God and His love is perfect and His love is unfailing, You can be restored. You can be renewed. You can be saved. Your identity, credibility, and potential, it's not lost. You've not sinned away your day of grace. For this is your day, a day of salvation, a day of becoming new, a day of being restored. I've done the blood test. The DNA of God is in you. The DNA of God. DNA of God. It doesn't matter. What my sons do, and I'd look at, at both of them and tell them, is, I, I don't care where you go. You go to the deepest, darkest place. I'll come find you. I'll sit up next to you, and I will love you. It may, I may not appreciate at all what you are doing, but I will love you because you have my name. You have my DNA. I was at an airport, and I was watching. Have you ever seen people try to get first-class seats? They didn't book them in advance, but they, they are like, frequent flyers and they come up and say hey, can you can you upgrade me this guy had gotten upgraded they only had one seat left another guy came up and said can I be upgraded he said no I just gave my last seat to him pointed at the guy the guy said says well I'm platinum what is he and the lady said well he's advantage gold says well platinum is a higher level than advantage gold. The lady looks at the man that had just gotten his first class seat and said, I am really sorry, but I have to honor this. He's got a greater relationship. 
He gets the first class seat. Another guy walks up and says, I need a first class seat. He says, we don't have any. He goes, well, what is he? He's pointing at the guy that's platinum. So he's platinum. He said, I'm executive platinum. I go, this is awesome. I'm like sitting here watching this. This is incredible. He goes, I'm executive platinum. Sir, I'm very sorry. So talking to the guy that's platinum. said, executive platinum. Uh, he's got more miles. He gets the seat. The platinum guy pulls out his phone, gets on the phone. Makes a phone call, hands the phone over to the flight attendant that's working the desk. He says, yes, sir. Yes, sir, I'll do that. Hangs up the phone, looks at the guy who's executive platinum and says, I'm very sorry. He gets the first class seat. He goes, wait a minute. I'm executive platinum. He's platinum. I get the seat. She goes, well, here's the deal. I just got a call from special services, from a vice president who's related to him. In relationship, usurps executive platinum. He gets the seat. It's all about who you know. That guy had a bloodline. And he didn't get into that first class seat based on what he had done. Even though he had flown thousands of miles, he didn't get the seat because he was platinum. He got the seat because of a relationship. With your eyes closed, let me ask this question. Do you need your identity restored, credibility, and sense of potential for the future? Brokenness to wholeness. That's, that's what it means to go from death to life. And how? The power of God's love. Lost identity to restored identity. Death to life. How? By the power of the Father's love. It's all about who you know. It's not who you are. It's who you belong to. Today, if you would say, Ron, I need to come alive. Meaning, I need to be restored. Would you just raise your hand right now? Just quickly. Quickly, God bless you and you. Quickly, raise your hands. You, thank you. Yes, keep raising them. So that's me. Today you can come alive. Raise your hand right now and say, that's what I need. More than anything, God bless you. Regardless of age, you see, the thief of our life doesn't care about our age, our season, or circumstance. He just comes to be a thief many people have prayed and are praying right now and here on this Sunday your identity gets restored just like mine was restored on that Sunday practically yours is restored today spiritually just like I started that day just defeated and discouraged and working out scenarios of defeat there was a power greater than all of that and by the end of the day it, my identity restored, and I just felt so alive and victorious and joyful, motivated. Some of you, it's been a long time since you felt any motivation, any inspiration, any sense of purpose. If that's you, you say, I need, I need God to restore me. Just raise your hand. Here's what I want to do. Many of you raise your hands. I want you to just look up this way, everybody. I know that this is a critical moment. When we talk about restored identity, we're talking about something that can correct so many 
so many wrongs. If you move forward in the wrong perception of who you are, with confusion about your identity, it will lead you to places, connect you with people that are not part of God's plan, and the devastation will get worse. More brokenness. So we got to take this seriously. In a moment, this team's just going to sing, and if you raised your hand or you know you needed to, I want to ask you to come up here and meet me. Just come up here, and we're going we're gonna to talk, and we're going to pray. And today, you come alive. Many people in this room know what I'm talking about, and we made this decision, and we felt the Father run to us and restore us. We know what it is. So we're going to celebrate that for you. We're not like the elder brother in Luke 15 that got an attitude. No, we're ready for the party to begin, the celebration of your restoration. Lord, I pray today that many people come alive, discover who they are in you, let that release potential that is divine. You say that they are your masterpiece, and you know that the plans you have for them are good and that you foreordain good works because they're yours, your DNA. You spilled your blood to reach to the lowest place of despair, to the highest place of idolatry, to set us free and restore us. And you're about to do that. Many people are going to come alive today. And I praise you for it. Lord, we celebrate the power of your love that has found each one of these incredible people. We have no doubt that the enemy of their life has assessed them and told them who they will never be what they can never do and all that they've lost and that there's no hope I pray today that the one who loves them most would be given that permission to assess them to tell them who they are and who they can be by the power of your love We will not allow the one who hates us to assess us. We will allow the one who created us and loves us to assess us, to tell us who we can be and what we can do. Right now, God, you are restoring identity, credibility, and potential. When they realize who they are in you, then it just works from there, inside to the outside. It starts with their relationship with you and will move to every relationship they have, even to their relationship with the community. Until there is complete restoration. That is the power of your grace. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for the embrace of your love that says, I know you've strayed a long way away, but I love you. I forgive you. I embrace you. I robe you in my righteousness. I place a ring upon the finger of your heart that says you have the authority of the family of God, the name of Jesus. I put spiritual shoes on your feet because you're free. You're not addicted You're not going to walk in the bondage of sin. You're going to be free, 
free to be who God created you to be, free to be the person that God created you to be, free to laugh and free to cry, free to experience life, free to use the gifts and the talents that God gave you, free. You're free today, restored. We thank you, Jesus. We praise you, God.